Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Revelation 5, 1 through 4. Please don't judge me too harshly when I start reading in Revelation because you may miss the greatest point that you may hear on this Easter service today. In Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals? And no man in heaven nor in earth neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon, Brother Paul. And this is John the Revelator. He is writing the book of Revelation. And he is in this vision. And he is seeing things that he is writing as God would reveal them. And the Bible would say, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look thereon I want to preach into your hearing today and into your spirit from what our theme has been and what you have heard saying today on this subject broke the grave broke the grave would you one more time lift your voice with me right now as one body father in the name of Jesus I thank you for what you are doing. I thank you for what you are saying in the spirit today. I worship you not only in spirit but in truth today. Now anoint your servant. Give strength unto my body. Give strength unto my mind. Let me, my thoughts be collective and God let me speak. God as you would give it to me today. In Jesus name we pray. You may be seated if you won't sit down on God. Hallelujah. John is watching the end time unfold right before his eyes. In one place in Revelation, he uses the phrase, I saw 36 times in 34 verses. At this point, what I just read into your hearing, you must understand and get the visual imagery of a man overcome by anxiety and desperation. Because he doesn't know how things will end. He's only in chapter 5 of the great revelation that he is writing about. But from John's limited earthly perspective, it seems that destiny is hanging in the balance. Because no one was worthy to open the seals of this scroll of judgment, which will vindicate the redeemed of all ages. There is no one in heaven. In the dominion of God. There is no one in earth. The dominion of man. There is no one under the earth. The dominion of Satan. Found capable of completing this task. But this veteran. This man of God. 
who has just suffered intense personal persecution. Literally, his body dipped in hot boiling oil. You must visualize this with me, that now he's been transported to an isle called Patmos. And there, in spite of everything that he had just been through, he got in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And God began to reveal to him what we now know as the book of Revelation. So through personal persecution and countless battles with religious leaders and Roman emperors and Satan himself, has now reduced this veteran, this warrior, to tears because the outcome of the ages is so uncertain. John said, and I quote, I wept much. One translation said, he sobbed and wailed aloud much. You see, the things of God are often far different from the way they appear To us with our earthly perspective. One of the worshiping elders steps over to John in verse number 5. And says these words. Weep not. Weep not. Don't you weep John any longer. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. There stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all of the earth. I propose to us on this Easter Sunday, as I read that portion of Scripture last night afresh, the problem isn't John's eyesight. It's John's perspective. What he sees is correct, but what he understands is incorrect. The one who was wailing in his eyes was on the problem. While there was an old elder who was around the throne worshiping, had his eyes on a solution. He had his eyes where they needed to be. And I ask this great audience today, have you ever felt hopeless Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Have you ever felt trapped and helpless? Could I submit to us that it's simply because you haven't seen the end of the story? You haven't seen the end of the story. We're just seeing the here and the now. We're just now looking at all of the evidence of what appears to be a finality. It almost seems hopeless and helpless. But before we chide too much, John, or the disciples, for their unbelief. Before we berate them for their lack of vision and scold them for not hanging around to see the miracle on that first Easter Sunday morning. Remember, you didn't go and you didn't see that the agony they did that day. You weren't there on the Friday when Jesus died. They didn't have an inspiring drama. They didn't have a praise team. They didn't perhaps have a beautiful sunrise service to attend. There had never been an Easter Sunday in their lives. There was only a Friday that was far, far, far from good. 
They had been with him at the last supper as he spake mysteriously of one who would betray me and struck fear from their hearts as they asked, is it I? They sat around that table wondering who's going to betray him. We've walked with him. We've talked with him. We've seen him. They had been with him in the garden as he prayed in agony for so long that they finally fell asleep from exhaustion. They were there when Judas did come finally to betray him and they realized the horror of what his earlier words would truly come to mean. They tried to defend him. But who could stand against that Roman legion of soldiers that were armed and ready for the moment and the hour that was at hand? They felt a burst of hope when Jesus said, I can pray to my Father and he give me 12 legions of angels. Then in instant despair when he continued, but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? They had followed Jesus at a distance, lurking in the shadows and outside the gates as he, he was put through the mockery. Not one trial, not two trials, not three trials, but six trials between night and morning. They heard, they heard with everyone else the fabricated evidence and outright lies against him and their hearts sunk at the resounding verdict. Guilty. It echoed through each trial. Before Ananias, the high priest, before Caiaphas, before the Sanhedrin, before Pilate, before Herod, and then back before Pilate. They had seen Jesus scourged until he no longer stood under his own power. His skin literally ripped off of him in huge patches they had seen the makeshift crown of thorns pressed into his scalp until his face was dripping with blood they had seen him slapped pummeled punched until his countenance was permanently marred and he seemed only a grotesque caricature it was just a mere image of the man they once knew just a few hours and days earlier they had hoped beyond hope that when Jesus was taken before the crowds that this nightmare would finally be over. That suddenly the thousands he had taught and the hundreds he had healed would stand up for him and convince the Romans that he was harmless to their empire. But with growing horror, they watched the mob under the evil influence of the Sanhedrin turn the convicted murderer loosed Turn Barabbas loose. And the screams ever got louder. Crucify him. Until Pilate was pressured to act. They had watched engulfed by this angry mob. Scared for their very lives. As Jesus was nailed to a cross. Hoisted into the air. and Hanging just mere naked before all of humanity. Humiliated as he agonized in pain and suffering. They watched his laboring breathing and groans of pain, fully aware that crucifixion was really a death by suffocation. They had heard that last cry, it is finished. But all their ears heard was, I am finished. They were there when a Roman soldier pierced Jesus' side with a spear. One final injury that screamed the final verdict. He's dead. They were there when his unrecognizable body was unfastened from the cross and laid on a cold ground to be wrapped 
into his burial plot. Though it was borrowed, it was still the place they would lay his wounded body. They were in the weeping and mourning and grieving possession that carried him to that borrowed tomb. They were there when that huge stone was rolled in place. They had to take that long, long walk home to a life now of what they had known no longer existed. And today, no doubt, you sit here feeling someone like they did. Various circumstances. And you feel hopeless, overwhelmed, trapped, and even helpless. And that's simply because you haven't seen the end of the story yet. You see, heaven's script of the ages is called, according to Revelation 10 and 7, the mystery of God. Because Satan can't understand it. He's also powerless to change it. And he wants to convince you and I that God has left you just as much in darkness as he has. But God has given us a key called worship. That changes our perspective of heavenly things. Satan can't, he can't even begin to understand because he lost his keys to his own house a long time ago. He lost all access to the purposes of God the moment that he rebelled and he has been frantically trying to bluff his way through to victories ever since in our lives. But 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 10 says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. I submit to you that worship is the key that lifts you to God's perspective. The higher you rise in worship, the smaller the devil in his kingdom may look. When you see things from heaven's perspective or heaven's point of view, the one opening the scroll which controls the ages is not just a lamb slain, but a strong lion. Once John understood this, that the lamb became the lion when he broke that tomb on that resurrection morning, then and only then could John stop weeping and start worshiping. I just wonder what John really felt when he began to pen the words of the book of Revelation. Now that Jesus was not just the lamb slain in Revelation or the lamb slain at Calvary but he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world you see his temporary defeat may I add that had always been a part of God's plan for ultimate victory and Satan took the bait 
after Calvary. Satan and his demons just had three short days to celebrate their killing of God manifest in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Before God walked into hell, Satan was puzzled and I'm sure asked God, what are you doing here? I thought we killed you three days ago, but when God showed up and he got a fresh revelation of who he was, I thought you said, this is Satan talking to God, I thought you said, since the fall of man, death, and hell in the grave would be my domain, who gave you authority to come into my domain? I just believe the Lord God Almighty replied with, don't you know? You gave me the authority because you crucified me at Calvary. And Satan screamed back, what do you mean? That was just another prophet named Jesus. And God would reply back, no, that wasn't just another prophet. It was me. And at that moment, Satan understood a scripture that had gnawed at him for centuries. Found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. When the lion showed up, it revealed who he was. James would write it in James. Thou believest in one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. I just believe on that dark Saturday when he stepped into the domain of death. Those demons were wondering, what are you doing here? I thought we handled you yesterday. But what they did not know, what that... What they didn't understand, he was more than a man. I said he was more than a man. He was God wrapped in flesh. And though they destroyed this earthly tent and this earthly body, it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning of what he would do. All Satan did, oh my God, I feel there's something explosive in this atmosphere. All Satan did that day, he killed, he killed the lamb to unveil the lion. I said he killed the lion, brother. He killed the lamb, brother Perry, to unveil the lion. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And what he didn't know has been revealed to us by the Spirit of God. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. And when I saw him... I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Come on, somebody. And have the keys. I've been through the domain of hell itself. I went toe-to-toe with Lucifer all by myself. I didn't call legions down to get me out of the job I was created to do. I went and took the keys to his own house, and I now have the keys of hell and death. We have hope today. We have hope of a resurrection that's yet to come. Woo, come on somebody. If Satan doesn't even have the keys to his own kingdom, how can he lock up? How can he tie up 
a blood-bought child of God. Satan can't even lock the door to his own house. He don't even have keys to it. And he's trying to convince some of you uh, that you're bound, that you're... That, He's trying to convince you there's no out, no way out, and you're, you're you're hopeless, and you've gone too far. You hear this pastor today telling you that the enemy has already been defeated. He don't even have the keys to his own house. Jesus has absolute power over physical death and spiritual death. When he said to the thief on the cross, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He was speaking of the abode of the dead. It had been under the control of Satan since the Garden of Eden. And Jesus went through death into the grave. But he broke the grave. And he came out with keys to both of them. For in Psalm 68, 18... There's no scripture in this thing called the word of God that's there by accident. But if you're wondering if this is true and line upon line and precept upon precept, you think that maybe this did or didn't happen. But let me tell you what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 68, 18 about Jehovah. Thou hast descended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. But Ephesians 4 and 8 says, this is speaking of Jesus. Wherefore he said, where he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. The Old Testament and the New Testament. Then we flip over to Ezekiel chapter 37 and 13. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. You're going to know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. Oh, my people, and brought you up out of your grave. There ain't no grave going to hold this body down. I said, Sister, Sister Andrea, there ain't no grave going to hold this body down. Why? It couldn't hold him down and it's not going to hold me down. How can you say that? I can say it with emphatic words of the word of my God. If this spirit, if this spirit dwells in you that raised Christ up from the grave, if it dwells in your mortal body, you're going to get up out of that grave. You're going to have some dancing in your feet and a shout in your voice because that grave can't hold you down. You're going to know that I am the Lord when I start opening up graves. Some of you are, are getting ready. Ain't in my nose, but I feel it right now. Some of you are about to become hell's worst nightmare. See, some of you, the devil thought he had you. He thought he had you tied up, bound, laying in a deep, dark prison. It, it, it seems like a grave to you. But on this Sunday morning, I, I, I feel a spiritual stone being rolled away. And I'm just asking you, do you want to get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave? I can tell you how to do it. I can tell you what Lazarus did when Jesus called Lazarus out of that grave. 
He was bound in grave clothes. He couldn't walk, but he was determined to get out of that grave. And I just believe this is what it looked like. Ain't no grave. Some of you may need to bounce your way to this altar. Some of you need, may need to just bounce your way out of where you're at. Because I'm telling you, the stone's already been rolled. You just got to respond to the call. Get up out of that. Get up out of that. Come on up. Out. Well, what are you going to do when you get out? I can tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take the grave claws off of you. You're no longer dead. You're no longer addicted. You're no longer bound. We're getting ready to unwind some things. We're getting ready to unloose some things. Mm. I feel it. I'm telling you. Some of you are going to know the Lord is Lord, Brother Bittler. When your grave starts opening up. Some of you, you've got a testimony. And if I was to put this, hand, this mic in your hand, you would have a testimony. Had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, who brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light, it would go all across this room testifying how I know he's Lord. I'm no longer in my grave. Why? Because he broke the grave. I'm no longer bound by those things that had me. Why? Because he broke that. He set me free. Daddy, my dad, I'm so glad my mom and dad's in the house today. My dad's the best song leader there was. Still in Pentecost. But my daddy would get that old blue songbook. He'd get behind that, he'd get behind that podium. And he'd start singing, he set me free, yes, he set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus, to see. Glory to God, he set me free. Once like a bird in prison. Some of you right now are just, a, you're like that right now. It's like a bird in prison. And the devil, all he's done is just shut the door because he can't lock it. He don't even have the key to lock it. All, he's got, all he does is just shut the door. But I've watched my dog in my own house go get in the kennel. And I just shut the kennel. She knows it ain't locked. And all she has to do is use her nose, not her paw. Not, she don't have to take a head start. With her nose, the door swings wide open. But see, hell has tried to convince some of you that the door is locked. There's no way out. There's no hope of a future. There's no hope of a better tomorrow. And all you need to know, the door's just shut. It ain't locked. All you got... Your hands may feel like they can't move. Just use your note. Because when you see that door open, I believe something in the atmosphere is going to begin to lift that hand. And you're going to begin to lift that other hand. And you're going to walk out of that grave. And you're going to see the hand of God. And the revelation of Him is it's realized. It's discovered.
It's no longer a story you hear on a Sunday. It's become your own personal testimony. He's alive. Brother White, he's alive. Nobody has to convince me he's alive. I know he's alive. Why? Because of what he's brought me out of. The lifestyle he delivered me from. The, th the chains he broke on me. Total change of, total change. I feel ain't no grave's going to be the song we sing at altar. I'm closing and musicians can come. What are you trying to say, Pastor? God wants to break some of you out of your graves. It's in the breaking of the tomb that the revelation of who he was was realized in the earthly, the heavenly, and that domain beneath the surface of where we're at today. There are some things that can only be revealed to others by what God breaks you out of. Some people will never know who you really are until you break out of your grave. Some people will never really know who you are till you get up out of that grave. He's ready to lead you out of a darkened, depressed, deceptive prison, grave, into his marvelous life. If Satan is powerless in the realm of your death, our last enemy, then he is powerless in the realm of your life. His only power, Brother Chris, is the power of deception. And if I could tell this great host of people, we will walk out of these doors in a few moments. But before we do, I want some of you to just shift your perspective as John did. Stop wailing and start worshiping. You're seeing it in partial history right now. You're seeing it in partiality right now. But I've read the back of the book. And we win. I, brother, brother Shane, I know you're going to MD Anderson this week. And you're going to go through grueling tests. And you're going to, they're, they're, they're going to run you through the ringer, no doubt. At one of the best cancer facilities in North America. But I'm going to ask you because I feel this in the Holy Ghost. The moment you step on that property, instead of wailing, I want you to start worshiping. Because you're going to come in contact with doctors and nurses that are going to be watching how you respond. And we're going to pray for you in a minute. But when they see a man walk into a facility that's been diagnosed with cancer, and I look across the room today, and I see Ayla in the house today. Now, Ayla, I'm not going to embarrass you, but the last time I seen you, you didn't have quite as much hair on your head as you do today. Because that's a sign. I'm praying and believing. You're getting better. In Jesus' name. Daryl, we've been praying for you. Those babies, we've been praying and standing in the gap. She's a testament. God's still not finished with Ayla yet. Though the battle may be raging and though the storm may be, it's brewing. But oh... God gave you another Easter to declare, I've lived another day. I've battled another day with disease. And my hope is in Christ alone.
I want you to stand all over this building with an assurance that the grave is broke. I said the grave is broke. Your grave is broke. Hell has no power over you. There's no addiction. There's no substance. There's nothing that has come into your life willingly, voluntarily, or involuntary that he can't control. But what I need you to do, and I'm not making, I'm just telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I typed this out last night, but God gave, has given me further revelation because I'm, I'm going to ask you, now lift up your hands and surrender your needs, your will, and your future into his hands. But if you still can't do that, if you still can't do that, maybe this is all you can do. Maybe it's just one leap of faith. Maybe it's just one leap in the, Lord, I don't even know if I have faith enough to lift my hands. I don't even know if I, you could be like little easy in that kennel. Just move your nose a little. Laugh at me. I, I, I watched her this morning get, get into where my wife was and the door had, just, I'm talking about a, a crack that you couldn't be measured. And she used, she used her nose and the door opened. You don't know how close you are to walking out of your grave. You don't know how close you are to walking out into a new life. I feel like somebody in this room, as you're stepping out of your seat and lifting up your hands in worship, these altars are open. We're going to leave this house with confidence and who died and rose again for our salvation. But he's standing today from the balcony of heaven awaiting for you to ask him the one who giveth liberally unto all men if you need a miracle if you need a touch in your body if you need deliverance hallelujah I believe you've walked into a place right now right today that you're not you're not here by accident I said you're not here by accident but God sent you on a mission God sent you he said, come on up out of that grave. Get on up out of that grave. Get on up out The grave's been broke. If you need to repent of your sins, if you need to repent of your sins, I want to lead you in repentance. Brother Chris Cordova and I, we're in, in Cebu at a crusade on Wednesday night. I preach the Holy Ghost. I preach Pentecost, it's for me. There was a response to a repentance prayer that I prayed over that group. And I called for those that would want to be baptized in Jesus' name. There were people, there was, I don't know, 600 people in attendance, and they just began to start coming down to the front. I was leading them to the baptismal tank. They was putting them under in the name of Jesus, and the pastor would get up after the baptismal service and say, the, this woman had got out of prison for triple murder. Triple, not one, not two, but three murders had got out of prison. 
and came to church. And in the middle of that service, something got a hold of her. Tears began to flow down her face. The power of God began to, they literally had to pull her up out of the water. They literally had to escort her out of that water. She was uncontrollably moved and affected by the Spirit of God. Why do you say a story like this? I'm telling you. Because some of you wrestle with guilt and condemnation and you think God can't forgive me of this and God can't forgive me. I've gone too far and I've done this. And I, You hear this preacher today. You hear your pastor. Whatever you've done, there's bigger sins than that beneath the blood. Whatever you've done, whatever you've committed, it's not too big for a God who broke the tomb, who broke the grave. It's just up to you and I to believe it for ourselves well it's good enough for somebody else but I don't know if it can oh yeah it can happen for you I don't know if I can go I don't know if I can do this yes you can I'm about to lead this corporate audience in a repentance prayer you're not going to repeat after me but I want you to pray along with me would you do this with me would you lift your hands all over this house Father in the name of Jesus God, I know the, the, the price you paid on Calvary for our salvation. I know the stripes that you bore on your back were for our healing. You were bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you. And by your stripes we are healed. And God, we thank you for the blood that you shed on Calvary that paid the price for our salvation. But God, today in this house, I stand before a people that, that are hungry for a relationship. They're hungry to turn their lives over to you. And God, I'm asking you as they repent of their sins, the Bible says, God, that you are just to forgive them. And I'm asking you right now to forgive their sins. And Lord, as they prepare themselves for your spirit, God, there may be one, two, or more that would love to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins. They're forgiven. They just need to be washed away. And if there are those in this room that have never been baptized in Jesus' name, we have robes, we have towels, we have the water ready. You can be buried in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. And I declare unto you, because he broke the grave, that you can receive the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can receive it with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Right now, lift your hands all over this place. In the name of Jesus. Let those prayers be heard. Let those prayers be heard. Let a worshiper arise in this house. Would you worship him right now? If you walk out of the grave, walk into Come on, somebody, let's walk. If you walk out of the grave, I'm walking to If you walk out of the grave, I'm walking to
testimony I want you to remember I want you to go back and remember the day that he led captivity captive in your life I want you to remember the day that you got out of your grave because I know there's some testimonies in this place today that you could tell us what he broke off of you he would, you could tell us what he did for your life it's 1226. We're almost done. But what I want this last worship and praise to our God to be is a worship and a praise of thanksgiving for what he's done in your life. What he's done and what he's going to do. We're seeing impartial right now. We're seeing almost through a glass dimly and we don't understand it all. But if I just think about all the prayers he has answered, all the things he has done, all the graves he's brought me out of thus far, it ought to give you enough reason to lift up both of your hands and to open up your mouth and declare the goodness and greatness of our God. Could we do this as we're dismissed one more time? Would you do that as they sing, get up out of that grave? Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave.
service don't go back in the tomb and don't hire somebody to help roll the stone back over let the tomb remain empty let the grave become let it remain broke and you walk in liberty and you walk in power and you walk in deliverance and you live to say the words as the prophet did it's not by might nor by power but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Today, as you're dismissed, walk in the fear of the Lord and in the power of his might. We'll see you on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for Bible study. And Sunday, right back here in the house of the Lord. Greet somebody. Let them know you're glad to see them.